Um, well, listen, uh, today we are, uh, we, I want to welcome you back to our sermon series in Acts. So far, we have gone through chapters one and two, and um, today we, we're, we're going to dive into chapter three, but before we do, I, I just want to bring up a tension, um, a real tension that is out there in the church today, and it's, uh, it, it's a tension over reaching our world for Jesus Christ. Now, here's how it breaks down. Jesus Christ has given us a great commission, all right? Everybody agrees to that. We all know what it is. We say yes to it. We want to be a part of it. Um, And it is a great commission, right? And it's also a very simple mission that Jesus has given us. He said, look, go out into all the world, baptizing uh, men, women, children, everyone in my name, which is salvation, and then teach them to obey everything I've commanded you, which is all about discipleship. So it's salvation, discipleship, helping people move from spiritual death uh, to spiritual life, but, but the tension in the churches is that when it comes to doing this, we are all over the map in how. How do we reach our world for Jesus Christ? And I'm going to give you a, two typical approaches that churches take to doing this, and neither one of them works real well, okay, just to kind of highlight the, the problem we have. Um, the, the first approach to sharing Jesus Christ is what I, I, and I'm not calling it lovingly this, it's the programmed approach, okay? The formulaic approach to bring, and the robotic approach to bringing Jesus Christ to someone. And, and typically on those who are doing the outreach, it's, okay, we pray exactly this way. We bring these few scriptures always in this order. Um, you know, we present the following points, uh, which often are more like arguments, and, you know, then we take a few action steps, and it's kind of like, you know, this is reaching out to people, sharing Jesus Christ with them like we're baking a cake, you know? Just take the following ingredients, put them into the bowl, mix it all up, stick it in the oven, and voila, you got it. You know, there it is. But the problem is that what comes out of the oven, okay, for those we are trying to serve Jesus to, what comes out is not very appealing, you know? I mean, to them, this approach, it's canned, it's stale, it's unappetizing. I mean, honestly, it's really inedible. Very few people come to know Jesus Christ this way, this robotic formulaic way. The second approach is uh, what I call the bull in the china closet approach, okay? Very different, radically different approach to sharing Christ. And it's when we, we start off by stirring up our emotions, okay? And we have a code word for that, by the way. Instead of emotions, it's faith, okay? We stir up our faith. We stir up our emotions, right? We pray loud. We pray hard. And then we go after people like a fire hose. I mean, just full force. We, you know, we, we get charged up. We, we, we go out. We confront. We challenge. We take on anybody out there. And you know what lost people do? You know, people who are spiritually lost who don't know Jesus Christ do with that approach, I wish I had some hills behind me. You know, we had the mountains before. They run for those things, right? They run for the hills when they see that coming. Usually, the only thing we have to show for that type of approach to sharing Jesus Christ, the only thing we have to share most of the time is whatever we claim happened in the spiritual realm, because there ain't a whole lot to show for it in the natural, except for disappointment and confusion. The second way does a lot of damage most of the time, which really holds with the analogy of a bull in a china closet. Because what does a bull in a china closet do? You know, he sits down, right? He pours himself a cup. No, he just, he breaks all the china. I mean, that's what happens in that scenario. So this is the tension. We've been given a great commission by Jesus Christ. 
And overall, when you look at the church in the United States, what we are doing to make Jesus Christ known, it just doesn't work that well. If only there was a way. Uh, if, if only we could somehow figure out some way to walk out evangelism, witnessing for Jesus Christ effectively. You know? Well, good news there is, okay? Of course there is. This is all a big setup. That's why we're walking through the book of Acts. That's why we're meeting the first church, okay? People who are just like you and me. And I know sometimes we open up the Bible and we go, oh, you know, Moses had a superhero cape on, you know, and he flew through the, you know. uh, No, 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 these are people just like us. So we're getting to know them, and we're learning from them because what you see with these folks in the book of Acts is really effective, incredibly winsome. I mean, it's like, you know, a magnet to a fridge or my, my little boy, Noah, he's got these two magnets that are like this big and, they're, and you get these things like this far from each other and they just snap together. This is what it's like with these guys doing it. And you look at this church and what, what do you see with the members? What have we seen so far with these people in Acts, these Christians? Man, they're alive. They're free. You know, they're joyful. They're they're, they're just charged. They're they're walking in God's fullness, right? They're walking in God's power. They're not talking about power. They're actually walking in it. They're serving God, you know, and as you read them, you know, you never get this impression of the church of Acts. Oh, gosh, this is such a drag. Oh, my God. You know, serving Jesus. We've got to do our spiritual duty, and let me flog myself some more. It's not like that. No dread, no obligation. They're just doing it out of love. They are just so in love with this Jesus who rescued them, so overwhelmed by this Holy Spirit that's just, man, lifted them up, that, that they're doing it out of love. See, this is a group of people that they don't go to church They are the church. They see themselves that way. They get it. See, in Acts, we have a people who are so much like us. They share our name. They share our mission. They share our God. But the difference with the church of Acts is instead of getting up to the plate, you know, and swinging, you know, and just striking out or doing nothing but just chopping foul balls, man, these guys, these guys are seeing God move. And they're seeing people come to Christ in droves. So let's see if we can't resolve the tension. Let's discover how they did it today. So we're going to open up the book of Acts right now, chapter 3. More importantly, I want to just pray for a second and ask us to open up our hearts. Father, in Jesus' name, as we do this, Lord, we come to your word. And Father, the, the, the church is so good. Lord, we're so famous for talking about other people's stories. And Lord, throwing a bunch of shoulds on ourselves and all these other things. But today, Lord, would you open our eyes to what has been there all along for us when it comes to, to making you known to the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so here's your recap. It's going to be quick. If you remember, uh, over the last couple of weeks that I preached before, we went through Acts 1 and uh, we ended last time in Acts 2. And God has just done his new thing, right? Remember the DC Talk song? God is doing a new thing. Well, God just did it, right? God has just done this new thing with the Holy Spirit. He's poured the Holy Spirit himself all over the first church. And these people, again, they are filled to overflowing with the love, the joy, the power, the purpose of God. And spiritually lost people have been coming to Christ like kids come to an ice cream truck. Anybody got children? 
Okay, you know what that's like, right? You know, da na na. Do you hear the noise, right? You're sitting there, da na na, da na na na. It's a southern ice cream truck, by the way. Da na na, da na na na. And oh, you know, man, my kids are out the door. And I'm like, you don't even have money. We don't care. You know, it's just, I mean, but people are coming to Jesus like this, you know? I mean, Peter gets up, he preaches one sermon, three thousand people. Come on, I mean, it, it, it's amazing. And then what God does by the end of chapter two is He forms a community, a spiritual community, and it's like a dream right? It's like Camelot. You know, anybody ever watched the movie Camelot? I, I'm tempted to break out in song, Camelot. But it's, this is this spiritual community, right? I mean, these people are loving. They're giving. Uh, the, the generosity, uh, yeah, the giving is off the chart. They're humble. And, and when you look at this first church, it's all about living for Christ, taking care of each other, and just reaching out to the world around them. So that's what happened. Now let's see what happens next. Acts chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the 3 o'clock prayer service. As they approached the temple, a lame man from birth was being carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate, so he could beg from the people going into the temple. Now, Let me stop here, okay? I know we read that, and it doesn't sound like there's much going on. These two verses absolutely fascinate me, okay? Because here's the deal with Peter and John, okay? Don't forget this. Peter and John have just been uniquely blessed by God, all right? Now, uniquely means, in this case, there aren't many people who have just received what they have received, okay? And what they've received is gigantic, it is, incre- it is a world changer. It is a life changer. It's transforming and revolutionizing them everywhere they go out in this thing. Boy, the results are there. So they're walking around in this new thing. And typically, when we got something that's amazing that everybody else doesn't got, okay? I know, my English is breaking down quickly this morning. But when we, you know, usually when we're in that place, what happens to us? Oh, yeah, baby. I mean, you know, it's like, man, I'm walking around in the new thing. And, you know, boy, look, I am spiritually, I am it. You know, this is what happens to us. Not just spiritually, but it's true in life. You know, man, we, you know, we, we hit the home run. Well, we, we, we round the bases in style. But look at Peter and John. They're so full of humility and love. Now, you might say, Steve, how can you say they're full of humility and love? Well, instead of being a celebrity, right, or, you know, an expert, or the man, you know, or, or, or walking around like it's, hey, you know, we're in spiritual first class right now. Everybody else is in coach, right? Instead of doing that, look at Peter and John. Even though God has done a new thing in them, they don't abandon the old thing. Now, that, that, that's, that's pretty amazing. I mean, that, that really gets me. I mean, you know, they, 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 they don't say, well, you know, those non, non-spirit-filled temple worshipers, forget about them. That's not their attitude at all. They don't dismiss what God has done in the past just because God has done something new. I think that's amazing. They don't write off people, you know, judge them as less than. Or, there's none of that attitude. Instead, they join this non-spirit-filled temple worshiping. And, y'all, this is old-school Judaism still going on. They join them for prayer. In other words, what the Holy Spirit does is the Holy Spirit doesn't say, okay, now retreat, retreat from those folks, advance, invade, be part of the solution, influence them. Man, bring that joy into the temple. Bring that, bring that life to people who don't know it. I, 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 it's just so, it's so great, you know? So Peter and John, they go to, to take part. They're going to participate. 
They're going to worship. They're going to pray. They're going to connect with God. Now, that is cool. But what is even cooler is that on the way to the temple, they step right into an outdoor revival meeting, okay? That, that, that just blows my mind. And here's what happens. A lifelong paralytic is being carried to the temple, okay? And this happened all the time back then, probably by his family members, maybe his friends. But he's being carried to the temple, and he's going to be set, set against the wall, and there he is going to beg for alms, okay? Beg for money. Now, why would you beg there? Well, actually, in those days, that's a great place to beg because people are going into the temple. They're going to connect with God. God, you're wonderful. God, you're amazing. Well, you, you, don't, you don't want to do all that. God, I love you. God, I'm about everything you're about. And, you know, be thinking, yeah, but I sure stiffed the guy at the door. Boy, I just neglected the poor. So emotionally, man, hitting people up going into worship is a really, that's a great way to beg. So this guy is begging, and he sees Peter and John, and um, they're about to enter in, and so he hits them up for money. And then remarkably, Peter and John, who are doing this, going to the temple, immediately switch gears, okay? They're going here, their focus is here, but boom, they completely focus on this guy. And Peter says to the man, look at us. And it's kind of funny if you think about it, because the guy's already looking at him, you know? I mean, I'm asking you for money, look at me. But verse 5 tells us, that when the man hears this, he does look at them eagerly because he's expecting cash. I mean, he is expecting something great until Peter says to him, you know what, I don't have a dime to give you. And you can almost see the guy go, okay, why am I looking at you? Lord, what is up with this dude? And Peter turns around and says to him, oh, Lord is right. I got something else for you besides money. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And then in verses 7 and 8, Peter not only says the word, he reaches down, pulls the guy up, right? And as he's, as this, I mean, this guy is on the way up. His legs are strengthened. His ankles are healed. The guy jumps up. And then what does he do? You know, takes him a couple of Bambi steps forward like this and then realizes, oh my gosh, I've been healed. And then he goes ballistic, right? I mean, you know, it's not this, oh, well, praise God, let me worship. It's all, I mean, he's, he's jumping, walking, leaping, praising God. How many of you, okay, stop right there. How many of you grew up in the charismatic church in the 80s? When I said that, did that song not, not just hit you? Okay, so I wasn't the only one who heard that song, right? Walking and leaping and praising God. So, the, yeah, yeah, in the name of, uh, so anyway, but I, I, all week long I'm reading this passage, that song is running through my spirit the whole time. It's really fun. But this, this guy's going crazy, and verses 9 through 11 say that all the people, because this, this, I mean, these are people on the way to the temple, Jerusalem is filled, all the people see this, and they are astounded. They see this man walking, they see him, they hear him praising God, and see him praising God, because man, this guy, he is full on, right? And suddenly it hits them, oh my gosh, that's, that's the crippled beggar. But the crippled beggar looks like an evangelistic gymnast right now. And so they all rush over to see what in the world just happened. And when they get there, and by the way, this just goes to prove the Spirit of God is given for witness, okay? Man, God is doing, like, I mean, this is, this is just God at work. So as they're doing that, they come over and they find the guy and he's just hugging Peter and John, you know, oh, thank you, you know, like you do someone who rescues you from a burning bush. Oh, thank you, thank you, you guys are the best, you're the greatest, I can walk. And Peter suddenly realizes he's got another problem. There is a problem that's popping up, and so he very quickly addresses the crowd with a cautious warning. He starts with this, and he, and he, he says to them in verse 12, don't look at us. 
Okay, and this is in the vernacular. Don't look at us with that awestruck stare. Don't look at us like we did this, okay? Like it was our godliness, it was our power. We did not do what you see here. We might have prayed the prayer, we might have helped him up. We, we did not heal this man. The one who healed this man is our Father God, the Father of our ancestors. And, and y'all, y'all know how crippled this man was, but through faith in Jesus Christ, this man was healed. And yes, when Peter says Jesus Christ, he's very quick to say, this is the same Jesus Christ that you guys had arrested, that you had crucified. But I got a newsflash for you today, and here is the newsflash crowd. You cannot kill the author of life. It's impossible. You know, oh, sure, you know, crucified, put in a tomb, but you, you cannot wipe out the author of life. God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this fact, and now you guys are witnesses of this fact because he just did this. So you just saw what Jesus can do. And so as the people are sitting there, you know, probably feeling a little bit guilty because, wow, we wiped out Jesus, and this is what Jesus did. In verses 17 through 19, Peter just comes in with the most beautiful grace, and he says, look, what you guys did, you and your leaders did, you did it in ignorance. You know, you got carried away by the crowd. You know, you heard some bad teaching over here. You heard the, the, you know, the black label that was placed on Jesus. You believed it, okay? You did it in ignorance. And the good news today is that God is not here to smite you, you know? God, God's not showing up with a wrecking ball with, you know, your name on it. That is not the point. God is here to save you today if you are willing, despite what you've done, despite what you haven't done, despite every failure, known or unknown, God is here to save you. If, if, if you will repent. And repentance, he defines it here as simple. Just turn from your sins and turn to God. Receive Jesus Christ as Lord. And then three things are going to happen. And y'all, I love these three things. And you love these three things. Number one, turn to Jesus Christ and your sins will be washed away. You will be free. You'll be clean of sin, darkness, death. Number two, repent so that you might be refreshed by the Spirit of God, because that's what just happened to this man. And refreshing might come in a number of different ways depending on the need. You know, it could be physical healing. It could be a broken heart put back together. It could be emptiness filled. But man, the refreshing you just watch is coming your way. Jesus Christ. And then number three, so that God can send Jesus Christ back for you when this life ends. It's just the promise of heaven. Okay, pretty awesome. But still, let's ask the question of the day. What in the world just happened here? I mean, seriously, what just happened with these guys? Because this, what they just did is what we want to see happen. You know, this is the Great Commission happening. I mean, this, this is what we're after. This or something very, very close to it. What I want to tell you is even more good news. What we read today is entirely possible for the church of Jesus Christ, for every one of us who believe if, if, our eyes are open if we have eyes to see. Now, let me walk you back through what happened, okay? Peter and John have a radically different approach to making Christ known, okay? For Peter and John, when they leave their house that day and they walk on their way to the temple, notice with Peter and John, there is no formula, 
okay? There's no robotic formula, oh, there's a lost guy, and let's pick it, okay, and now, you know, you don't see that, okay? You also don't see this militant forcefulness at all. They don't force their way on anybody. They head out of the door, they go to the temple, and their eyes are wide open as they're making the journey. What Peter and John are doing is they are just watching to see where God is moving, what God might be doing, and if God gives them a nudge to go and talk to somebody, or if God brings somebody their way, they are ready. Okay, we'll step right into it. And then, as the action goes forward, they're just waiting on God. Okay, they're staying in this place. Okay, we've seen it happen. Now I'm just going to let God direct me. God will give me the words to put in my mouth. God will lead me in how to minister, or to pray, or maybe to help him very practically. But these guys are just wide open. In other words, these guys are simply being led by the Spirit. And in this moment, you know, they make eye contact with this beggar. God simply speaks to Peter's heart and says, hey, Peter, guess what? You got something a whole lot better than money because you don't have any money. You got something a whole lot better. Proclaim Jesus Christ to this man and just lift him up. Now, Peter and John can refuse if he wants to, but, or they want to, but they don't, you know? They simply do it because this is God's will in this moment for this man. He's healed, okay? And the result of his healing is not just good news for him. Man, everybody else just comes running. They are simply wide open. And then Peter Oh, God bless Peter. I just love him. Instead, because it's his second chance here, right? His second chance to climb the pedestal after, you know, after the healing. Climb up on the pedestal, right? Be the man, right? Start, start the first church of Peter right here, you know? Pass the offering plate. He could clean up in this moment, you know? I mean, Peter is a spiritual celebrity, but instead of doing that, look at what he does. He takes a spotlight and he goes, whoom, he just shines it right on Jesus. He, he doesn't take the glory for himself, right? He, he doesn't do any of that. He turns it on Jesus. And believe it or not, that's all there is to the great commission in the, in the first church of Jesus Christ. That's all they do. You know, doesn't that take the pressure off? Because, you know, I mean, I, honestly, when I hear somebody start talking about evangelism, I'm like, oh, gosh, evangelism. You know, oh, gosh, we're, you know, what do we have to do now? What neighborhood are we going to invade? How big is the Bible we're going to beat people up with? You know, how many scriptures do I have to memorize? It's completely different in this scenario. It's beautiful. It's all about loving people right where they are with the love of Jesus Christ. Am I right, bro? Come on, because you know you guys do this all the time. So here's the thing. On this Communion Sunday where we partake together in the Lord's Supper, right? I mean, we, we celebrate the goodness of Jesus Christ. We, we partake in, you know, in, in, in His spiritual presence in a very real way. Paul asks us to do something time and time again, and sometimes we say it, and sometimes we don't say it in communion. He invites us to examine ourselves. Now, individually, you know, we're all going to do that today, right? You know, Lord, is there anything in my life that's in the way, you know? God, I was mean to my wife on the way to church. I wasn't. We didn't ride to church today. But stuff like that, right? We, we look at our lives. We ask God's forgiveness. We say, Lord, thank you for the blood of Jesus individually. But I wonder if we can't do it corporately as well as the church. I wonder if, if we can't just examine ourselves and go ahead and admit what the rest of the world already knows, okay? The, the rest of the world already knows this, is that the church of Jesus Christ is a little bit off track these days, Okay? Uh, I, I, a couple months ago, I, I, I shared that, you know, the church today is way too angry. Golly, the church of Jesus, and I mean as a whole, way too fearful, way too worried about stuff. But, you know, so we're, we're also way too robotic in our approach to making Jesus known. 
And sometimes we're just way too militant. So why don't we as the church right here just repent of that? Turn from all of that, and during communion, get still and get filled up. And then walk out of here today with our eyes open. You know, with our spiritual blindness healed. Why don't we walk out of here not not looking through a glass dimly? I I love what Henry Blackaby says, you know. Henry Blackaby says, you know, the whole purpose of the church, really, is just to watch for what God is doing and then join him in it. Oh, that's so refreshing. Just like that. And by the way, I'll tell you that. I'll tell you this. In looking for what God is doing all around us, God is doing a whole lot more than we often realize. And... Yeah, amen. And I tell you this, for Steve Keller, when, when, I, stop, when I stop gazing at my navel, you know, and, and my little life and, you know, what's going on with my little family and my little dog destroying the announcements and all this stuff, when I, when I raise my head and I say, okay, Lord, wh- what are you doing around me today? What would you have me say? Where would you have me go? It's incredible. God's like, well, man, I've been waiting for you. Look at all this stuff I'm doing. So I'm telling you, the Lord is at work and he'd, he'd love to use us. But we got to have those eyes to see. And then when we see it, when God opens the door, we just got to step through it like our brothers did, speaking, saying, doing whatever, whatever he would have us do, blessing whoever, however. And then, in, and then making sure that people understand who this is all about. This is about Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who is saving, who is building his family, who's building his church. And, you know, looking around, we got room for some more in here, don't we? Oh, oh, gosh, yeah, good, okay. And even, even when we fill the pews, we got room for more, right? Don't we, Henry? I mean, come on. So we, we really do. But listen, it all comes down to seeing God move and having eyes, eyes uh, to see. So here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna do communion. We're gonna take this together. And um, if you have a need after communion, there are gonna be people up front to pray with you, all right, because we always do that at the end of the service. If there's anything we can pray with you about after communion, come on up here. Any need in your life, but also, especially in regard to spiritual blindness. And listen, I'm not only a member, but I'm the president of this club sometimes. Sometimes my eyes get dark. Sometimes I do not see. If you want us to pray for your spiritual eyesight, man, in Jesus' name, we would love to pray about that, all right? So we can be a church that sees in Jesus' name. Neil, do you want me to pray, or do you just want to come and get started, brother? Okay, Father, in Jesus' name. We're getting ready for communion, and I will not steal Neil's thunder, Lord, by, by praying over the elements or anything like that. But Father, as we approach the table today, God, we, we have hearts that need work. We have eyes that, that really need to see. And Lord, we want to be drawn into your story. God, we, we want people to see the sons and daughters of God coming and go, man, good news is coming. The cavalry is on the way instead of anything else. So, Lord, here we are. Our desire is to make you known and to love people to Jesus Christ. But, God, first, would you help us to see, even as we come to the table, I'm just praying in Jesus' name for a real healing of spiritual eyes in Christ's name. Do what you will with us, Lord. We love you. In Christ's name, amen.